Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. With me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane Maguire. Today we're talking with ultra runner Sophie Power about the importance of staying active while pregnant. Some good news, guys. Racing is back on the calendar. My uh, South Downs Way 50 in April is going to happen. You didn't think it would, Jane, but it is. I, did, I like completely take back everything I said. Yeah, so it's, it's on the 17th of April, so it's going to be on the 10th. It's now on the 17th and... Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I think the longest run I'm going to do, realistically, though, is probably about 25 miles. So I'll do half the distance and then just cross my fingers and think, presumably it'll be okay. Mate, you'll be fine. This is this is easy for you. As a man of your ultra caliber, you'll be fine. As long as you don't uh, do some sort of rogue nutrition strategy, which you're famed for. Rick, can you tell the um, can you tell the listeners my favourite story you've ever told me is when you ha- did a marathon eating sweet potato, and I want you to tell the listeners this story. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this is, this is a um, this is a nutrition uh, faux pas. I'm going to call it. Um, so I went through a bit of a weird phase. I think a lot a lot of people do this with nutrition, where they just become very experimental. And I was like, this is about five years ago, five or six years ago, and I was like, oh, I don't I don't need gels. I never take gels on long runs. What I need is like some slow release energy. And I think I'd heard somebody in the trail ultra world talking about um, sweet potato as being this good, you know, mid race fuel because it's this great slow release carb. So it was a London marathon. So <laughs> I'm running along in the London marathon, and the night before, I'd, I'd uh, I think I slightly overcooked a sweet potato. I put it in some tin foil, and I Classic. thought amazing this is gonna be, this is gonna be me no lucasade no gels i'll be running on sweet potato and uh about sort of three miles in i, I try to open this this little tin foil pass which is really difficult to open it's really hard to get out of the pocket it started to turn to mush I mean, at that point in your pocket is my favorite <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you must have been like just stuffing it in your face with yeah foil. and then i was getting like <laughs> like some tin foil came off so i was kind of eating some tin foil it was the whole thing was the whole thing was terrible i think i ended up throwing, throwing it away and completely ran out of energy um about the 20 mile mark so oh god i I have learned since then and i'm much more um orthodox now i like that you went for um sweet potato not banana or something that you know is a classic (laughs) yeah yeah you're right even if you're going to go natural there are more obvious choices than the sort of root (laughs) vegetable (laughs) yeah well i think apparently apparently bananas i mean like bananas are giving you everything you need actually it's just the weight of a banana right so like you, you could Mate, possibly you had a potato. Run out. You were carrying a potato. 
<laughs> you're right. There's, there's no, there's no way that this, that this is a good story. Uh, you sort of, I don't, I will never come out of this looking good. Um, but yeah, I've started using that Morton stuff. So I've gone the complete opposite way. You know, which is like the sort of fuel of the future. And it's actually really, it's actually really good. I Surprisingly good. Imagine that. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? There must be so many people listening that have really good um, nutrition fails. Can you please send them in? Because they're my ultimate favourite thing. And anyone yeah. who's eaten sweet potato needs to join <laughs> Rick in that. <laughs> people will be listening to this at any old time in the in the future. But we are recording on International Women's Day, so happy International Women's Day, everyone. Um, I think. You know, just for a retrospective look back at our Instagram page, you can uh, go and have a quick look. Yeah, if you've not seen it, go on the Runners World Instagram and have a look. We've kind of documented the history of women's running on there. And I think I was really shocked at how recent some of the dates are. We're not talking like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. We're talking, you know, women weren't allowed to run in races, you know, not that long ago so um if you haven't seen the picture there's some really good pictures and yeah go and have a look off the back of it as well it kind of made us think about we've we've, we've been doing some work on a, a survey about harassment with running we it's a topic we visited in 2017 and with the in the resurgence of uh, running during lockdown we kind of wanted to to look with more people running like has harassment of runners in particular female runners has it increased with lockdown and um yeah, worryingly so. The, the the results would say so, but um, I mean, it was it's shocking actually. We've had sort of thousands of, of responses, and and people have written their uh, written some of their experiences, and we've had six hundred accounts of wow, uh, not just verbal abuse, but actual assault and and sort of physical violence towards female runners. And uh, yeah, it's I think it's it, today being International Women's Day, it, it it's very pertinent that we continue to give a bit of airtime to that conversation because it's the results were just absolutely mind-blowing to be honest it's just it's overwhelming but it's it's it shows that it's happening everywhere and it's not okay and I think we will do our best to delve in and address the issue but um yeah I think that's important on on International Women's Day to not just look at how far we yes we have come far you know women weren't allowed to run at one point and in certain parts of the world women still aren't allowed to run but we've also got a way to go until I think we're treated equally in the in in the running world and in the world <laughs> outside of running so yeah yeah I, I agree I think as a as a bloke it's quite easy to think that you know to feel you know that like you can run anywhere and at any time and and actually, I think, um, yeah, it shows that the female experience just isn't that. You know, there's, there are so many things that, unfortunately, women have to bear in mind when they go out running. And, yeah, the sheer number of, of incidents and accounts that we've got is just testament to that, isn't it? And hopefully that can start to to change. But it does feel like slow progress. I mean, we've still got stuff, and this is different, I guess, but it's, you know, the kind of um, the run equal stuff across country, men and women running different distances. And that, that, that's still hanging around, you know, and it's kind of, uh, it's a much more difficult thing to change than, than logic would suggest that it should be. So that there are still these inequalities in, in running that um, that we need to we need to change, I think. Definitely. Oh, we also got um, a letter from a listener and it's about cadence. Um, and it's from Lisa and she says, um, I was wondering if you could uh, feature a discussion about cadence. I don't really understand it. 
but often check my watch uh, and what it says. I'm really enjoying my long runs at the moment and wonder if it's because I'm concentrating more on a smaller, quicker steps. Um, did a 10 mile run and her watch told her she was between 175 to 185 cadence, wondering if that is good. So I'm going to give you my quick masterclass on cadence. I say <laughs> masterclass, I use that word very, very loosely. Uh, so <laughs> cadence is the number of steps uh, you take per minute when you run. Um, and research has suggested that 180 is a kind of gold standard of cadence. That's what you should be going for. I think realistically, anywhere between 170 to 190, and probably 190 for the, the smaller runner, and 170 for the kind of taller runner. A- anywhere between that is, is looked at as a pretty good, efficient cadence. Why you want to have a cadence in and around there is that a quick cadence reduces things like ground contact time and the chance of overstriding, uh, both of which could potentially lead to to running injuries um and if you really want to get into cadence you can download a, a metronome app to your phone wow. um, yeah i would i would suggest wearing headphones when you do that otherwise you really will irritate anyone that you're yeah, <laughs> running true. you're, you're gonna by, really but, annoy yourself as well to be honest because it's yeah just listen, listening to a tick just listening to a ticking noise while running along will inevitably drive you completely insane ben i think we had a chat didn't we about this because i'm for no one can see me but i'm like i say five two more like five one and my cadence is really high because I'm small, whereas your cadence is much lower. So it's like, <laughs> I think if if you looked at my Garmin, you'd be like, wow, she's an amazing runner. And I'm definitely not. I'm just short. So I wouldn't pin all your hopes on cadence. Yeah, I think you can you can obsess certainly about the 180 number too much because I think it's just a kind of general guide guideline. I think if you put on your running watch or and you've got the ability to find your cadence through that or your heart rate monitor and all these different things that can kind of give you a you can count but you know these things will do it for you and if it's anywhere near like the 150 mark then you should probably try and work on just getting a bit faster because like 150 is is quite slow yeah for me to be consistently at 180 i kind of have to actively shorten my stride length which isn't again necessarily the best thing because i'm quite tall so and if you're trying to run a, a like an easy run or something like that, and you're trying to keep a really super high cadence, it's just exhausting. <laughs> so it's all, you know, kind of leg speed becomes, you kind of look a little bit like a cartoon man, I think. Like your sort of legs are sort of desperately spinning underneath a very slow moving body. Um, but um, yeah, it is, it is a good thing to, to try and master just so that you can uh, avoid lots of uh, extra strain through the, the joints and the muscles. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully that that helps, Lisa. But it sounds like you're doing everything right anyway. 175 to 185 on your uh, watch. That's you're, you're right in the kind of the good cadence zone. Right. That's enough of this cadence chat. Let's uh, get our guest of the week on. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete This week on the podcast, we're talking to the incredible ultra runner, Sophie Power, who some of you might know from the photo that went viral a few years ago of her breastfeeding her three-month-old son at the 106-mile UTMB race. As Sophie returns to running after the birth of her third child, we talk about the benefits of an active pregnancy and the pelvic floor issues all women should be aware of. Welcome to the Runner's World podcast, Sophie. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, Let's start off by talking about pregnancy how important was running for you during your third pregnancy 
Um, running was so important to me. Um, I was really, really lucky in that I was able to run um, until the day my waters broke, uh, which wasn't the case in my first and second pregnancies where I stopped at I think seven and a half months and then five months. Um, I fell pregnant um, as we went into the first lockdown. So I found myself kind of first trimester absolutely knackered with a one and a five-year-old on my hands and trying to work at the same time. Um, so running was just the best way to um, get out of the house on my own, um, escape everything and, and clear my head. So um, I was so lucky that it was a way I could keep my fitness up during pregnancy, but also probably more importantly, um, just get away from things and have a bit of time to myself. Yeah, for sure. I think we can all relate. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you think the biggest uh, misconceptions about running and exercising while while pregnant are because you know it's always it always ends up being a topic which in, in itself is a sort of statement of how sort of I guess un sort of un sort of not absorbed into the norm as it is it should be yeah I mean there, there's so little research on kind of pregnant women being active because uh, you can't really do trials where anything could hurt a baby so the default has been for years like don't do and everything is a risk don't exercise it's a risk um but we actually now know that the that exercise in pregnancy benefits the mother, um, but actually also the baby. The baby's kind of come out fitter in a way. Um, and the government guidelines on exercise in pregnancy were only released 18 months ago, um, which says that kind of 150 minutes um, of moderate intensity every week and at least two strength sessions. But for runners, we're, we're not the norm. We're, we're more active than the average person. And it really is a case of, saying if you were doing something before you can keep doing it as long as your body feels right it feels right for your body um don't get really out of breath but your body doesn't really let you um mine kind of told me when it was going too far don't get too hot keep hydrated but if you're a runner and you're active before pregnancy we now know um that that is really safe to continue through pregnancy the guidelines are quite new and a lot of the people working in the medical profession are, are still catching up. Um, so a lot of people are going to go back to what people said kind of 10 years ago, but we now know it's actually the, the best thing for us for kind of physical health. But as I said, kind of for the mental health, just having that time to yourself to, to escape things. I'm wondering, Sophie, because you're, you know, you're a great runner. You've done lots of the, the big showcase ultra marathons, uh, including UTMB. But how did you adapt your training during uh pregnancy or was it something where your body kind of regulated it for you and let you know how much it, it, it wanted to do it, it does kind of regulate it in some way it definitely kind of straight away one of the first kind of times I knew I was pregnant I was like my body just feels like it doesn't want to push things um I look at my heart rate and it got to 160 it was like no I'm kind of done there so my, I was really listening to that and I was looking a lot on my heart rate so I wore my heart rate belt kind of all the time while exercising and made sure I wasn't kind of doing too much. But I think the the big thing was on impact. So kind of you're suddenly changing shape and you're putting this impact on on your pelvis um, and trying to reduce that. So part of that was through training. So I started running softer trail. Um, I started doing an incline on the treadmill, which really kind of running up a hill is much less impact than the downhill. Um, switching to the most cushion shoes, kind of I could find so kind of replacing all my kind of um anything remotely barefoot with um kind of the Hocker Cliftons are really super cushion road shoes super cushion trail shoes um 
then it was getting on the bike for some of the harder sessions. So where I couldn't push myself running outside because I was so worried about the impact. I got on my, my husband's one of those Zwift people. So we have, a, <laughs> we have, um, I don't get Zwift. He's trying to get me on it, but, um, we've got a Watt bike. So I got on the Watt bike. Um, and then I switched to hiking on the treadmill for a lot of my miles. And I, I think runners often say, you know, you've got to run. I'm a runner. I've got to run. But you can have an amazing in- workout, hiking and incline. Like I can get my heart rate higher on, a, on a, an incline hike um, than I can do kind of sprinting on a treadmill. So kind of really just saying kind of what do I need out of running? And yes, I needed to go outside. But the fitness side, I could actually do by a lot of cross training um, and doing lots of different things. So it was always kind of working with my coach, kind of um, Adina Sutton, who was kind of a mum of three. So she knew what I needed, what my body needed, and just putting that plan together to to get me to kind of the other side of, of, of pregnancy um, in the best shape possible. And you mentioned that um, you fell pregnant at the beginning of lockdown. I think there was a real... At, at that beginning point of lockdown, there was this real anxiety that we all felt about just going outside. And it all seemed a bit unclear for pregnant women. Should you stay in? Should you go out? Like there wasn't enough information. Did you feel worried about going out for running, being pregnant in a lockdown, in a pandemic? No, I, I think I realised that I needed to do it more than ever. Um, and and I had the boys with me. So having kind of two young sons who they needed to get out. Now, we were really lucky we'd um, moved to the Surrey Hills and we have amazing open spaces where we can hike for hours and not see anyone. Um, all those kind of secret running trails I had kind of um, before I was pregnant, people are discovering them now because I can see there's more people going down my running trails and like, get off my running trails. But I knew where to take the boys where we could just be outside, be active. Um, and I think that really helped us through the first lockdown um, because they need their exercise. They were happier. I was happier, um, but I wasn't worried. I think kind of no one really understands the, the effect of kind of COVID on pregnant women, but I knew that I could keep them safe um, outside and, and being active was the, the best thing for everyone. Um, you mentioned that you switched all your shoes out to, to Hoka and, and this was before I think that you actually sort of partnered with them. So, you know, there's a, there's a real testament there, but you are now part of a, a larger campaign with those guys and, uh, you've spoken a lot about returning to fitness safely post-birth and, and you've had some aspirations to run an ultra 11 weeks after giving birth. And there's been a sort of documented on social media that things possibly haven't quite gone to plan. Um, what have you learned about your body this time around that was sort of different or is it not different? It's just that, you know, the circumstance and all those sorts of things. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah, so we before I before I gave birth, um, I came up with the idea of documenting um my kind of end of pregnancy running and return to to fitness. Um partly because there's so little information out there. And um I knew that I'd struggle before I really struggled my first pregnancy. I couldn't run a running step for three months because my pelvic floor was shot. And then my second pregnancy, I ran UTMB at three months. So it was kind of two very different pregnancies. And I thought, let's let's see if we can just try and show what happens and break down some of these barriers. And and Hocker kindly agreed to to sponsor the film and um and help help me break down those barriers and, and bring it to kind of the public. So that was pretty exciting. Um but no, we didn't know what was gonna happen. And and yes, my my goal was it to be a kind of a UTMB like return, um, much kind of lower key, kind of a 50k trial race. Um, but what I found out was at my six week uh, check with a female physio, um, and that's different from a GP check. That's a kind of a proper where, um, to be honest, they just wanted to check I wasn't going to have another baby anytime soon. And I I, I said absolutely, I'm done. Three, I'm done. Um, you know, I'm into that. Um, the female physio, proper full pelvic examination um and I realized I had a minor prolapse um which is what I thought something happened to like 60 plus year old women um but as my physio Emma Brockwell said actually 50 percent of women with one baby have signs of it 85 percent with two um and I have three so basically I had no chance of getting away with it um which means that I need a much more gradual return to the impact I can run but I can't go out for a four-hour run. Yeah, I've got to build that up um, much more slowly and do a lot more strength work. So that's what's happened. So Sasha is 12 weeks now, um, and I'm running for an hour. I'm running my friends. I'm doing my quality heart rate training, hiking, um, and on a bike. Um, and I will get back to ultras. And so now the next focus is going to Lakeland 100 in July, and that's a much more sensible return. Sensible. Um Sensible, I know. Lakeland is sensible. <laughs> it's probably one of the hardest, one of the hardest ultras in the UK, I would say. Lakeland one hundred, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you're very, uh, you're, you're very experienced in this stuff. So fair, fair play. I wanted to quickly ask you, Sophie, about um, because you, you mentioned the UTMB. Then I guess it'll, it'll be very familiar to a lot of our listeners, but um, some people won't be aware of 
the UTM being just what a monster of a race it is. And there was a photo of you at one of the aid stations um, and you were breastfeeding. I think it was about 70, 70 miles in or something. I mean, could, could you just... 50, 50 Cormier. 50 Cormier, right, 50 miles in, so about halfway. So could you just give us a very quick um, reminder of that story? Because I think if anyone's not aware of it, it's, it's super inspiring. Sure, so UTMB is a, is a 106-mile um, mountain race um, around um, Mont Blanc with about 10,000 metres of climbing. Um, but it's one of the iconic ultramarathons and, and it's so difficult to get into. Um, and I'd ha- finally got to play. I had to get points in doing different ultras and then get in the ballot. And I'd had a place when I was pregnant, my first son, um, four years before um, I did the race and they wouldn't let me defer it because I was pregnant. Um, they'd let me defer if I was injured. Um, and I lost on, I lost out on my dream then. And then four years later, I had my place and then I realized um, I would be kind of pregnant. I would basically have a three-month-old baby on the start line. Um, and I knew this more than a year in advance because you kind of, if you miss out so many years in the in the ballot, you get an automatic place. So I knew this 18 months in advance. And obviously I'd hope to have a, a an older baby, um, but you don't really kind of get pregnant when you press a button. So three-month baby, um, my dream race. Um, so my goal was just to be on the start line just to experience it, knowing that they wouldn't let me defer it. I was going to lose that opportunity. Um, and I trained through pregnancy as if I was going to do that race. So stopped running at five months, got on those awful stair mills, those rotating kind of staircases. Um, oh, it was awful. <laughs> hiking incline on the treadmill. Um, and then I, I got back to run hiking really quickly afterwards. And um, I got to the start line Um I was breastfeeding, um, which is a real problem being without your baby for the kind of 16 hours it took me to get to Cormier. Um, and um, my husband um, brought my baby around the course and a pump around the course. And I was lucky enough to make it to the finish line. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy thinking back on it. And I think knowing that every pregnancy is different, that I wouldn't be doing it this time. I, I physically, I could get myself around the course again this time, I'm fairly sure, but it would be really damaging to my body and having to take a step back has been, been quite, quite difficult. It's amazing. That, that, um, that picture though was, was it sort of, it, it went way beyond running. I mean, obviously anyone within the running community saw it and they thought, wow, that's phenomenal because they had a, a sense of the UTMB and also then the fact that you were breastfeeding going around, but it kind of really just, it, tra- it transcended running way and just went into the world of, and you know, m- the media picked up on it and it was, it you, you sort of were this sort of suddenly a sort of figurehead of what's, ca- what, you know, this is, this is a hundred percent durable. Like this is, this is, this should be the norm in that sort of way. Was that, was that sort of, that must've been a bit of a whirlwind or there was certainly like a, a you know, like certainly you, you thought, oh, I'm, I'm just going to do my, this big race that I want to do. And if I have to breastfeed and express all the way around, then I will. And then all of a sudden it's like, Sophie Powers, female national radio and all this sort of stuff. So I, what was that like? It was pretty crazy because um, we hadn't, I hadn't told anyone I was doing it really. Um, I, the first thing I realised when the media picked up on it was when my, uh, my kind of sister-in-law kind of messaged me and I wasn't on Instagram and she's like, what are your boobs doing on my Instagram? And, <laughs> and, and I think in the women's health, she'd be looking at the women's health account and um, no, I hadn't told them. I mean, it was, why would I tell people this was, my dream and my family said we're going to go after this goal and see where we get to and it wasn't like I'm going to finish this race it was going to be you know 
we're going to go and have a family holiday and experience it. And, and Chamonix at that time of year, so many friends who are ultra runners are there. We wanted to catch up with everyone um, with our new baby. So the media was, was crazy, but I, I realized kind of pretty quickly that it, this is not an ultra running story. Um, it's not a running story. It's about kind of what women kind of do after childbirth and that, you know, with the right support, kind of we can still achieve our goals and and many women give them up because being a new mom is so difficult and there's so much kind of pressure in society to put our family first um but actually when we put our own kind of health first and we're stronger as women you know we can be stronger for our families and have a, a much more kind of fulfilling life and and be better role models and especially now I have a daughter um my first two sons I've got a daughter um it's so important for me to show her that that I'm active um, and I'm fit and I'm setting myself goals and, and I'm achieving them. So I think that's where the media picked up on it. Um, but I think we also got to talk about a lot of barriers that women face to returning to fitness. And we all want to see more women on the start line. Um, and I think we're moving to where there's lots of images of pregnant women and women with children exercising, which is amazing. But we don't talk about the fact that kind of one in three women leak after having kind of a baby, um, more than half of runners do. And we need to give them that support to run again and to run again safely. And so I think it unearthed a lot of the previously taboo subjects, um, which we really need to address if we're gonna get more women um, active. Um, and so I joined the, the Board of Women in Sport as a trustee and I'm working with them to really kind of do everything we can to support women and girls of all ages to 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 be more active whether, whether that's running or anything else they enjoy it's so inspiring I think hearing you talk about kind of the importance of an active pregnancy and come you know not being worried about getting your fitness back after birth and do you think being kind of having an active pregnancy better prepares you for the kind of physical job that it must be being a new parent or does it make the birth less intimidating and what what does it mean to you I think, I mean, birth is definitely, and I mean, pregnancy is an ultramarathon. It's a very long ultramarathon. Um, birth is like kind of, I said the birth is like kind of, you get to the end of the race and someone tells you there's like a 500 meter like uphill rock scramble and you've got to get through it. Um, I think running, running does kind of prepare you because you get to, it gets hard and you know that you've done it before. Like you're at a marathon, you're at the 20 mile point or a 10K and you've got kind of around the corner and, and, and down the hill to get there and, you, you, you were just better prepared to kind of go through that, knowing that it's going to be over soon and, and, and you're going to reach the finish line. So I think running really, um, kind of racing especially, can help to prepare you. Um, but yeah, and being a mum is really physical. I'm not just running down after my kids. So my six-year-old, because I can't run fast down a hill yet, he's quicker than me down a hill, which is really annoying. Um, and, and I'm going to take him out soon. He still thinks he's quicker. He's doing mild time trials for for this half-term challenge. Um, and he's, he's, I'm trying to keep up with him. Um, but it's also, you're carrying around a kettlebell all the time at like awkward angles, breastfeeding. So strength is so important. And just being able to be out with your kids is so important. So being active, just, it helps you sleep better. It helps you recover better. Um, and we should be making sure we're giving women all the encouragement um, to be active. So saying, you know, it is good for you, it is good for the baby but all of that support in doing it safely um, so that we don't have problems down the line and we 
we can kind of have an active life after we become mothers. I think we're going to have to get into the real issue around post-birth and I think that the major but I mean I'm I'm talking from experience of talking to my partner after two children um is is the pelvic floor and I think Sophie you're you've been doing a lot of work on this and certainly with your physio so can we just sort of dive not literally into the pelvic floor but let's just talk about <laughs> let's just talk about the pelvic floor for a bit so kind of pelvic floor is kind of a band of muscle that kind of supports your your undercarriage and and when you have a baby um, it becomes weakened and actually for many people kind of even before that um, and that means you need to strengthen it just like you would have to strengthen any other muscle um, and if you don't then you end up kind of leaking urine or having kind of um, further difficulties and it's a case of kind of over half of women kind of my, my physio estimates would leak when they run but you can strengthen it um, and you can do this at any point during your life um, but it's a bit embarrassing so we we don't talk about it and kind of four in 10 women that have a problem wouldn't even mention it to a medical professional. Um, and the current setup after you have a baby, you have a, a six-week check that's um, kind of quite basic um, and you get a leaflet on, do your pelvic floor exercises. Um, but we don't even know often if we're doing them right and you need the right cues and you need that checked. So we need more female health physios and pelvic health physios. Um, and every I'd absolutely encourage every woman runner um, no matter where they are, to go to one and see where they are. Make sure they're doing the exercises properly. Make sure they're they're strengthening themselves so kind of they can run in life as 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 long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the sort of um, certainly from speaking to female runners and you know my own personal experience with my partner is that it's not something that's readily sort of given to women after childbirth. There's very little aftercare in that regards, especially as a runner. And I think that's where there's a sort of standardized, you're a woman and you've had a baby. And then there's, you're a woman who's had a baby who also runs. And that, that extra level just doesn't ever get seen to. It's, I don't think, I mean, we if we tore our hamstring, yeah. we would go and see a physio. If we had a traumatic kind of fall and tumble down a trail, we would go and see a specialist physio and get ourselves fixed as runners. Childbirth is a traumatic event for our body. Um, not in terms of kind of, it's it kind of... Um, um, is the worst thing to happen. It's the most amazing thing, but yeah. it is to, to our body getting a baby out, whichever way it comes out, you know, you need to heal and we need that specialist care. So as women, we need to think of ourselves as an athlete. And this is, even though most women have babies, um, we need to kind of get that treated. And the NHS is, doesn't have enough specialists. And, and sadly, the option for most women is to go private. Um, a 700,000 births a year, and only 800 um, registered kind of pelvic health physiotherapists. Um, and we need to get far more funding because it's important that women are active, not just runners, but just being able to run across the road, run across, run after our kids, do exercise classes throughout our life. The, I guess the, the return on the investment to the NHS of having a woman being active through our whole life from just giving them a few physio appointments um, must be massive if you if you're if if a woman's listening to this and she thinks oh that that is me and I'm a bit embarrassed and I've not actually gone to my GP or even talked to my running mates about this what would you encourage them to do is there help talking to the GP if you know is that a good place to start or would you go down a private route and get seen by someone kind of sooner rather than later and I think we we have to kind of think that private is expensive so kind of you'd be looking at kind of 60 pounds around to see see a, a pelvic health physiotherapist and 
and that's out of the reach for, for some women. Um, your GP should be able to refer you. There are probably waiting lists. Um, there's something called a, a mummy MOT, which is um, kind of after having a baby at any point, just giving an assessment. And I'd say if you would, if you would go to see a physio to treat your hamstring injury, go to a pelvic health physio. And, and often they're kind of cross-trained. So my physio, Emma Brockwell, used to be a sports physio, and she's actually addressing my hamstring injury at the same time. And, and different ways that I carry my baby in the wrong way um, has actually kind of tweaked me in different ways from my running. So um, find one who's a runner, um, even, that really understands kind of what you want to do. Um, it should be available on the NHS. It should be available, no waiting list. It's not. Um, and, and that's one of the issues. There are lots of online support now um, on Instagram, some brilliant um, um, physios to follow that, that do give lots of tips. But it, there's no real um, substitute for going to seeing someone and having a proper kind of in-person checkup, which are permitted at the moment. I, I think it was you, you mentioned that Emma, um, your physio, she's actually, she worked on the guidelines, right? That, uh, that you mentioned returning to running guidelines. So we'll put a link um, in the, the, the description uh, of the podcast for anyone who, who, who wants to and needs to read those so that, you know, they can, they can have a look there. But I think, you know, a very important subject that needed uh, discussing, I think. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the Run As Well podcast and talking about um, active pregnancies and, and all the important messages around that. Absolutely great to, to chat with you. Thank you for having me. So that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast. A big thanks to our guest, Sophie Power, and to you, of course, for listening. Do you like magazines? Would you like them to arrive at your door? Subscribe to Runners World magazine today to get three issues for only five English pounds or Scottish pounds, depends. Visit hurstmagazines.co.uk slash Podcast to get this exclusive listener offer. The Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes and all of your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK and click subscribe. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.